fatherhood. It's how we keep our tribes and families strong. You've landed in the right place if you're ready for dad jokes, tips, and tricks on fun parenting. Also with interviews with some of the coolest dad entrepreneurs we could track down and have them share their strategies to tackling it all in business and life on The Dad Next Door. And now, your host, Mr. Dad Jokes himself, <laughs> Jason Centeno. Oh. <laughs> What's going on, Mr. James Clydens? How you doing, Jason? I'm doing fine. So I'm going to do something a little bit different to start this week. I actually want to bless these fine people with one of your. I want you guys to get a little sample of my man James here. You see, you see that guy right there? Salute, <laughs> man, pretty so, handsome guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a good looking dude. So he's going to tell you a little dad joke, and then I'm going to tell you one of mine, and then we're going to start this party off right. Two more dad jokes. Hmm. Hey, honey. What? I peed on the table. Oh, please. <laughs> Two more dad jokes. The only thing that could have made that better is if your kid was the one to say that. Now, this was this oh, was more than good. This, this was my sort of version of that. Hang on. Let me see. Like, hey, you want to hear a dad joke? You want to hear a dad joke? Yeah. What did the baby corn say to the mama corn? I don't know. Where's popcorn? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's my battle version of that. That's yeah, good. so you can use that on and any on your on your your three year old. He should appreciate that popcorn. Like that never gets old. You're a pastor. I got to know your story because we just you know have been chasing each other a little bit, and and this is the first time we really got deep into talking, and we almost did the whole interview before this interview. I wanted to save something. <laughs> I wanted to save something for this. That's good. So you're a pastor. Who's also a comedian, or which? Well, which came first, the, the the chicken or the egg? Were you a passive first? Were you always funny? Like, how did you, how did you turn this uh, beautiful peanut butter and jelly that you are into this? I mean, peanut butter and chocolate that you are into this Reese's peanut butter cup of a social media <laughs> pastor comedian that you are. Talk to well, me. It's really funny because my jokes are all really corny jokes that that come to dry laughter, and and then I can do the satire as well, uh, but. Uh, I had to change my Instagram name to comedian because people were taking my tips seriously. And then the, I told the church that and they're like, oh, oh OK, comedian. I see. OK. Uh, but yeah, I went to seminary first. I always told I like bad dating jokes, bad marriage jokes. And oh, no, they're all good, good jokes. I, I can't say bad jokes because they're all it's all good advice. But <laughs> but are you a marriage counselor at any point? It was like, is that was that part of your heart in the beginning? You were just like. Let me break through. Let me let me be a counselor, but I'm going to just do it with really bad jokes. Like, well, I'm actually in count uh, in classes right now to become a licensed psychologist. I use that as part of my jokes. I want to get into marriage and family therapy. So right now, I am trying to provide job security for later. Uh, if I can uh, get all these people to follow my advice, uh, just telling bad jokes uh, from and really my source materials. My wife and I came out of a super strict environment, super strict misogynistic type environment. We came out of that, and a lot of my source material is actually. Uh, from that environment and it's sad because kind of that some of that stuff actually does happen the, some of the advice that I give people think that way but it's a good way for my wife and I to be able to cope uh, with some of the trauma that we both went to so it's kind of like a coping mechanism that we have used to kind of uh, find humor in stuff that we've gone through in our life but that is what comedians do I mean they make exactly. a joke out of something that was like traumatic to most people and um I used to always say like the best comedians like really seem to hate themselves, but it kind of makes them funny. <laughs> but like it is, it's really this like it is psycho. It, it's it's therapy, I imagine, doing any of that stuff. So I kind of get 
that. Um, so when, so when did this, this, um, you know, when did you start doing the super marriage tips and then how did you like land on that? Like, what was the first part? Like, how did you evolve to that part? All right. I joined TikTok around uh, February of 2020 uh, last year, pretty much right before COVID hit off. And um, I, I, I tried a couple other things. I did a lot of Christian uh, comedy and I also do these things called epic Bible stories. I haven't done one in a while because they take a long time to make where I just, in 60 seconds, tell a story in the Bible. And those with, are fun to do. With video or just? With video. The, with video, okay. yes. And they're just little clips that I throw together and kind of make them funny. Uh, but the uh, I started telling these jokes years and years ago. I couldn't tell you the exact date. Done 14, 15. After I got married, I started telling some of these jokes. I saw one pop up in my Facebook history. Like, you know, you know what they say, you, you posted this at this date and got this many likes and like, oh, that make a funny TikTok. Uh, so I did it in front of my wife. Uh, and then I started doing more and they started to really pick up. And that's how it kind of just blew up from there. And uh, it's been a wild ride. How long did it take for her to go along with it? Because you can kind of see that sometimes she's like ready to like backhand you. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> there's like ambush. There's an ambush quality to some of these things. But I mean, that's good. That's either good acting. I mean, or you just, you know, she's just like, whatever, bring in that t-shirt money or whatever. <laughs> you just keep bringing home that bacon, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, wives, wives can get like that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's, some, a lot, I like to do a lot of surprises. Of course, she's in on these jokes. You know, uh, she, she doesn't know what I'm going to say all the time because I want it to be a surprise for her because I want to get an actual reaction or a semi-reaction at least. Uh, but uh, we do have a line that we have, that we won't cross, though. Uh, sometimes if I tell a joke and she doesn't like it or she thinks it crosses the line, well, then I don't even argue it. She says, "I don't like that one." So, all right, we're not gonna we're not gonna post that one. And she does the same thing. She has a couple of jokes that um, uh, she's even asked me ahead of time, "Can I do this one?" Because she does them as well. And uh, I say, "Actually, I'm not comfortable with that." And, okay, it's a non-starter. It's just a way we can respect each other to keep boundaries. That way, we know we're not going to offend one another with these jokes. I like to. Uh, record them candidly, even though she knows where they are at. But every once in a while, we do mess up. Every once in a while, I break character, and um, I can't, uh, uh, I can't stop laughing. And uh, so then she's already heard it, and then she has to, she has to act. But you usually can tell uh, the ones that she has to act with versus the ones that she has candidly never heard before. So, so I've had that problem too because with kids, you only get one take, and yep. somebody might yell or somebody's like, I've had this so many times. So I prefer me. And it's, you know, it's, it's a timing thing, but I'll always just film the person, the first, like the kids in one shot. And then I'll cut away back to myself after, like, I have to remember like whatever that, and then I'll, you know, I'll edit it in where it's kind of like I said it first before their reaction. But normally that's the only way I can do it because I only get one chance and I don't want to mess up the joke. So yeah, I, I, I get yeah. you on that. Who's got more top tier jokes than, I mean, is it really like, is it you or does she write some of your materials? Did she do the setups? I mean, I, I can't imagine that you're. It's all you. I mean, it could I, be all you, but I, I write you're... about ninety-five percent of my own, and she writes a hundred about ninety-five percent of hers. Now she hasn't done as many as me, of course, but uh, I've, I've come up with a couple for her. But she comes up with most of them uh, for her. But I did do an Instagram uh, poll a couple months ago as who had funnier jokes, and I had to say I won. It was like fifty-five percent to forty-five percent, but I won that, and I was very proud, and I had to rub it in my wife's face for a little bit. Because you because you laugh at like, I think you laughing at your own jokes is kind of what makes it funny too. Because that's there's a dad thing, like yeah. it's there to make us laugh, and we kind of don't care if anybody else gets it. But that, <laughs> but that 
that's, true. that's the part of it, the torture. It's like, it's either the delayed reaction or the groan or the, sometimes, like I said, the, the, the look of like, what? And then they come what back. What did you just say? <laughs> All of that is just like, that's, that's part of the fun of it. I mean, you know, they're like, they're, they're like uh, little time bombs, you know? They're yeah. Just what I found out is uh, my wife's reactions usually make the video. You know, if um, if she reacts well and she, it doesn't always happen, you know, sometimes she doesn't have a, a good reaction, as some people would call it. She just kind of like looks at me. But if, if people like my wife's reaction and I think there's some comedic timing in there involved as well as when their reaction takes place. I haven't really worked it down to a science, uh, but because some of the videos she will react and it's people focus more on her reaction and love her reaction more than my joke. And um, I, I find that uh, funny as well. Cause she's just uh, just as much a part of it as I am. So, so I'm not going to talk money, money, but I want to, <laughs> I want to, this is the entrepreneur show and, and mm-hmm. what people don't realize, I mean, some do, but you know, the pastors all have to be entrepreneurs. I mean, look, Jesus was a carpenter. Right. Paul made tents. So these guys fished. I mean, you know, plenty of people had jobs and then they did this stuff. How do you dovetail that together with what you do? I mean, you know, does of it course. support you? Is it just okay? Like, I mean, how, do, how does that balance out for you? Because I'm sure there's a lot of pastors. In fact, I know a few that are like looking for like side hustles because obviously, you know, they want to do the work. The ministry doesn't that. pay a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that's what mm. a lot of people think should be the way. But although forget, like it, w- it doesn't work for them like that, right? They need stability too, but they expect right. other people to give from their hearts. So how did you, I mean, are you still searching for that um, perfect balance or like, have you found your kind of niche where this is going to be like, this is, this is decent. And I can, you know, I can rock out with this for a very long time and I'm doing what I'm love and I'm still serving and all that. Have you gotten to that point yet? And then how did you put that together? Like, I know there's merch and there's probably, you know, uh, you know, some kind of, um, I mean, you're an influencer now, so some kind of plugs or whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, just that, like, is that enough to keep you going now that you've built this up or, you know, you still got another level to go? I mean, how, where are you in that process? Yeah. Well, right now I'm currently full time at my church and, uh, they take, they take care of you very well. Um, we do have a parsonage that we live in the church to provide for us. And, uh, of course ministry doesn't pay a whole lot, but you know, we, we have enough to where we can get by, we can live well within our means. Uh, my wife also does work a job and we would like for her to be same at home sometime. But uh, to answer the question more specifically, I, I didn't used to be on full time here at the church. I'm a medic as well. And I used to work on ambulances and uh, I still have my EMT license. So I'm still certified though. I'm inactive. Did you know I was a firefighter for 23 years? Okay. I, I didn't know. I didn't know for that long, but yeah. you know, I knew for a little bit. So I've heard it before, but that's cool. That's yeah, cool. But um, so Around that, I mean, if you had any tips for like um, pastors that, because because there's so much around this, like you even mm-hmm. told me, like people have come to church based off of like I told you, you're the first person I said saw doing a TikTok sermon on a Sunday. I was like, I didn't even yeah. know you could do that. Pastors like looking to kind of like branch out because you know we have it's a different world. I mean, the world very much so drastically last year. So any way you can get into hearts and minds comedy or you know whatever whatever way does it do you have any like tips for starters for them like you know maybe oh, no like, doubt it's just kind of like some kind of real quick protocol like i followed this and then you know i just kept at it and then the next thing you know it built up and you know this is what got me here some tips for those guys yeah no doubt definitely especially if you're a pastor in here i, I was actually in a, a pastor's chat uh, group uh, earlier today and giving some advice to some people some of the pastors who are looking to branch out more on social media especially and uh, what i uh, i say isn't exactly what people want to hear but it works 
And I've seen it work uh, off with a couple other pastors on TikTok as well uh, that I've given the same advice to. Uh, if you're a pastor, uh, a couple things you got to realize is people, chances are, are not going to follow your church's page. That's just chances are. They're not going to look for your church and say, oh, look, Freedom Baptist Church, that's my church's name. Oh, I'm going to follow that. Uh, I have had some, but that's just very, very little. So we kind of changed our name. It used to be Freedom Dundalk. That was my church's name plus the town I live in to a James and Amanda. And since then, we've got a huge influx of people. Now, our comedy is a, a – we have a couple reasons for it. Uh, number one, we like to humanize pastors and let people know that pastors are the exact – and pastors' families are just like everyone else. You know, We're not some special high-tier – uh, you know, uh, branch above everyone else. And that's one of the reasons we do what we do. Uh, but it's also to drive people to feel, you know, the love of Christ uh, by watching our videos and by watching our sermons online to where we've had a lot of people who watched, as you said, our TikTok live sermons. I started doing that, uh, man, before even the marriage tips going live on Sundays. I don't do it all the time anymore because I'm having some issues where I have to use my phone for my Facebook right now, but looking for people they can follow. Not necessarily a church building or a picture of your church building. So kind of mark – I don't want to say market yourself because I don't like that terminology. But like kind of build yourself up on a on some kind of platform with what you're good at, your niche. If you're funny, be funny. If you're creative, be creative. I've even seen some pastors who are good with woodworking build stuff or good with lawn care. And they have uh, – and they've done videos of the mowing grass, and those videos have gone viral. Uh, and then they can use that as a platform to push people toward uh, their live videos, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, whatever they want, and uh, and build their audience that way. And because of that, uh, we had a, uh, a couple families that have come to our church and visited our church, and some have even stayed and become active members in our church because they saw us on TikTok. And that was the catalyst that said, oh, they're right in Dundalk. Let's go check them out. And some are becoming some really, really good friends, and it's been really, really nice. Finding what you're good at and using what you're good at, whether it's comedy, like I said, or or, or some kind of trade, using what you're good at uh, to push people and draw people to what God says about God's love. I, I so And I get that because I do this um, – mm. this every Friday I kind of do this branding class for free. It's like Fridays at 11, and, and one of the things I cool. talk to people about is, you know – they're there to most of them are there like they, they're in the real estate space they're trying to personal brand themselves it's not just real estate but like personal branding in general right mm -hmm. and what you're talking about is personal branding but as a pastor so your job is your, your your occupation the thing that you want to sell is this thing called the church this thing called jesus christ and stuff like that unfortunately i don't I mean that's not the proper terminology it's not selling it of shit. course of course the point is there's that and then there's your passion too right so i was like now I'm always saying like, look, take the thing you you have to offer, your offering, and you, your passion, and put them together. And like I said, with you, it was like you took bad dad jokes and comedy <laughs> and and mixed them, you know, with your with your um, you know, with with your message and your offering, and it works because people gravitate towards your passion, the thing you're passionate about that they can relate to, mm -hmm. and then when they're ready for that other thing, you're the first person they think of because. There's exactly right. Pastors they can pick from. They can go through a phone book. They can listen to a commercial. Mm -hmm. They can just drive by a church. There's no connection to those people unless they really, they're feeling something in their heart that gets drawn there, which that happens. Right. When they're ready to decide, like I, I liken it to coupons. It's like, who's got the best deal? Or who's got the most attractive? Like when you open up, when you're hungry for something, like who do I want right now? It's like, oh, this guy, he's always doing something. He's a, mm -hmm. At least I know, like, I, at least I'll meet him, even if the church sucks or whatever. Like, I mean, 
you know, I, the guy, <laughs> I'm just going through like people's hierarchy of like kind of thoughts and it's random, but the oh, you're right. it, yeah. it, that's how they think. So it, it's not, there's nothing wrong with um, using that as a platform to bring people in. I mean, if we're supposed to be fishers of men, I mean, that's what you got to do. Right. So, and it's, it's not even, it's, even more than that is maybe some people are going through a hard time in their day and they scroll through a TikTok live and, and they just hit you and you're preaching on Sunday. And, Oh, there's a, there's a, I, I made a joke today on one of my videos. I just posted a pastor marriage tip. There, there's a, that guy uh, who does what do he's got to say? And then they may hear something that gives them some encouragement for the day and might even draw them closer to uh, the, uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, if someone who wasn't even looking at the start, it may pop up in their feed and then they may start to search after that. But you also mentioned like, you know, the guys who do woodworking or painting or something like yes. that. If they're, if they're out there like doing their craft, like being an artist and then or they're like they could just do a Facebook video of like, hey, you know, my here, I'm going to car- I'm going to chainsaw carve this thing in the tree. It's like, wow, that's interesting. And then it's like and then, OK, yes. by the way, if you want to come to church, you can meet me here. We can talk about like whatever mm-hmm. that and two things together is like that makes it more interesting where you want to reach out to that person. A little bit God, more than just anybody. God's you know? made you, you specifically. God's given you special gifts, special talents, special abilities that only you can do. Just throwing them away and just say, I'm just going to serve God. Take what he's given you and serve God with those tools that you have. And that's what uh, I like to give to pastors and tell pastors especially. Use, use who you are. God made you you. Use your skills. Uh, I know a pastor who uh, uh, does karate. And I think he's getting a little older now, but. I remember one time I saw him break through like seven or eight things of ice after a church service, just as a, as a draw to get people to come check it out. Look at this pastor bust through ice. And it was, it was cool. He should challenge Chuck Norris. And then I'm going to text him that <laughs> <laughs> pastor, <laughs> pastor versus Chuck Norris. Yeah, who's gonna that, win? that could be super karate tips. And then his whole goal, is, <laughs> his whole goal is just to get a, a, a cameo from Chuck Norris on one of his, like eventually, and like we'll just be rooting for him. Hopefully, Chuck Norris pays attention one day if he's still. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does your daily routine look like? Uh, my daily routine is I get up and annoy my wife, and then go back to bed. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, what was that? So that's like a dream life, right there, right? Uh, yeah, I uh, I it was gonna. I haven't recorded the joke yet, but I'm gonna record the joke about hey, you know. Uh, when you, the, the ultimate goal is to teach your wife to go out and work and provide that way you can stay home and play video games all day and just chill and do nothing. I haven't recorded that joke yet, but that one's coming. Uh, you know, I get up in the morning and I typically around five thirty, six o'clock. And I actually, before anything, I help my wife get ready for work. Cause my wife works at Amazon here in Dundalk and, uh, I uh, make her coffee, make her breakfast, get her lunch ready. And I take care of my wife. Uh, because I know she's not a morning person and I am. So I want to make sure that she gets a good start to her morning because if she has a good start to her morning, then that's better for me later in the day. Uh, <laughs> what time do you get up then? You get up I get up around 5.30 to 6 in the morning. Uh, when she gets off to work, I spend time with, with God. I read my Bible. I pray. And, and then I wake my son up. Uh, just depends on if he's got school or not. He's in preschool. So it just depends the time of what's, uh, you know, whether it's 8 or just depending on that. And then I, I go to work. And my work is essentially just studying uh, the Bible, praying, calling people from the church, talking to people from the church and, uh, you know, going out, finding out special outreaches. A lot of that has been kind of diminished now because of COVID. I can't go into hospitals right now or nursing homes, which I really, really miss. That's one of the favorite parts of my job is uh, going into hospitals and nursing homes and dealing with people who can't really go anywhere. They can't escape my dad jokes. At the, at you the, and a <laughs> megaphone, man. Like you can't be outside. <laughs> I actually had a, uh, my son, material. <laughs> I forgot it. I was going to bring my, uh, 
my son's microphone. Uh, I had a, my, my wife said, you should bring that, uh, that little pink microphone that my son found it somewhere and just do a mic drop at the end, you know, and I totally forgot it, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, so I do that. And then I, um, uh, like it's a lot of phone calls, a lot of dealing with people and, uh, and then I take a break usually from around three thirty to five thirty, and then most evenings I'm in class. I've, I'm in school right now, like I said, to be a licensed psychologist. Right now I'm going actually for a uh, a major in biology before I go to a master's in psychology. So I'm in chemistry and I'm in calculus and I'm in all these different courses right now as well. So um, why? Like what? What's that got to do with the psych, the, the the psychology major? I mean, yeah, be dispensing pharmaceuticals or what? Like, <laughs> well, there's a couple. Of, <laughs> you know, I, I I was confused about it at the start, uh, and I'm starting to understand it. Well, I'm in psychology classes as well, but it seems that um uh, I'm I'm at the community college because I'm trying to get all my preliminaries done cheap, and it seems that the uh, the biology major is accepted more widely than the psychology uh, major that they offer. So I thought, well, and the biology majors are accepted in two psychology master's degrees at all these different schools that I'm looking at going to. So I thought, well, you know. I'll go for the biology. Uh, I like science. I'm really bad at it, but I like it. So I decided to go for it. Uh, so I'm in school full time as well, working full time. It's been a, it's been a busy semester because like, this is my first semester back. Like Tuesdays and Thursday nights, I have class. Wednesday nights, I got church. And after class on Tuesday nights, I have a men's meeting at my church that I go to. We have a thriving men's uh, support group of about 15, 10, 20 men, just depending on the week. To where we all talk about how to be better family men, better dads, better husbands. So I'm going to ask you five random questions because I, like that. I don't know how tall you are, but what's the best advantage to being really tall? <laughs> the best advantage to be really tall? I'm 5'8". I'm not tall. Um, I'm not Same sure about average. You're 5'8"? I am as well. Yep. That's what's up. So I'm not super tall. The advantage to being really tall, you know, I would say – uh, first thought as a man, I guess it'd be better at basketball. I guess to be, <laughs> be, I think for me, just getting like being able to pick someone up, put them up to the top shelf. I think that just feels like really like useful. Like, hey, <laughs> pick somebody up, not reaching <laughs> to grab it yourself, but pick someone else yeah. up so they can grab it. You know, you're in a grocery store. You know, you got the little lady she can't reach. Come on, put you up, and then you know, like, they arrest you at the end of the day because you're just touching old ladies for no reason. They're like, I didn't even want to get that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. I like that. You know, don't grab it yourself. Make them do it. You'll help them do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. This, is a, this is a service to you know. This is my way of, of, of my service to the people. Unfortunately, it was misconstrued. Um, <laughs> how long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Uh, uh, on Sundays, about uh, thirty minutes. But most days, I throw a t-shirt on. I throw a. Uh, I have a, a handful of t-shirts that I wear. I throw. A pair of pants on my favorite pair of pants. Usually, I'm done, and uh, I throw a hat on so I don't have to do my hair, and that's it. So probably around five minutes. I don't really. I, I do wash my beard, so I do do beard care, and that does take a little bit of time. So without beard care, about five minutes. But I do shampoo, I condition, I brush my beard just to make sure it's nice and full. See that shave right there. If I was in beard care sort of business and I was watching this, I would be hitting you up right about now. But yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> You could promote some beard, some beard uh, butter or something for me. I had something uh, go popular on iFunny, and all the comments were like, "Oh man, this beard's painted on." And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you need to do a rebuttal with that. Like, just grab your. What do they do? And they do the duo, and then just do a, a beard care, like like pasting it on, like something preparation for the guy. You know, some kind of some kind of clapback, uh, funny clapback. Uh, what's one thing you've always wanted to do? I've always wanted to take my wife to a uh, trip in Germany. 
we've always wanted to go down the Rhine River and visit all the castles in Germany. There's actually a, um, a cruise line that does just that. Mm -hmm. There it, is. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard about that. So that sounds really cool. Crossing our finger for our 10-year in two years. Yeah, nice. So. Um, what, what TV sitcom family would you be a member of if you were a member? Oh, it, ooh. Yeah. Man, it's TV sitcom family would I be a member of? Uh, let's see. Kardashian. Um, I could tell. Oh. <laughs> you look like Rob. No, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So Kardashian family, you know, I can be more plastic. Uh, you know, I've always loved uh, uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's always been my favorite uh, uh, sitcom growing up. That one's fun. But I don't know if I'd fit into the family well. You know, uh, so uh, well, you know, like that's that's what we do anyway. So you know, we get, we we can flex you in there. Yeah, well, that's what they did with Will and the Fresh Prince. You know, they they kind of flexed him into the family. I guess I could probably fit in somehow. Yeah. Uh, but that was a that's a good one. So, so what? Okay, this is the last one of the randoms. What store do you shop at the most? What store do I shop at the most? I guess Giant if you're looking at grocery store. But if you're looking at places just to walk around, I guess I would say uh, a Best Buy. You know, just walk in there. Don't plan to buy anything. Well, I plan to don't plan to buy anything most of the time, and because you're buying microphones and gear, aren't you? You're like uh, seeing you get like backup phones. Yeah, I'm the same. I got way. I got a GoPro that I haven't used because I got it for a good deal at Best Buy, and uh, we're planning on using because we got some a man a man and I got some good uh, uh funny content that's going to be coming up once COVID's done. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Why is it got to wait till COVID? <laughs> because we're not, you can't see people's reactions with their masks. Um, uh, uh, let me give you a little taste. We were in, um, let me, let me help you out though. Why don't you just get a whole bunch of masks with painted on reactions and then have that filmed. And then you just like, you could just take advantage of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> we were at Denny's and you know, um, the, the waiter walked up and I ordered some mozzarella sticks. And for our family, for an appetizer or Denny's or IHOP, whatever it was, and they brought it and put it on the uh, the, the table. And uh, my wife was like, "Oh, you ordered uh, mozzarella sticks?" And I said, "Oh no, they're just for me." And I pulled it towards me, and the look on the waitress's face was like one of "You are such a jerk." And then I just lost it. And then we got the idea of doing these uh, uh, public marriage tips, to where we we do our marriage tips, but to get people's reactions in public. And so we're going to end up doing that. Uh, yeah. when COVID's done just so we but with the mask it's kind of hard to get the good reaction from them now that you clarified yes my idea sucks okay I can, <laughs> I <don't know> what. <laughs> I'm like hey can you put this mask on you'll find out why <laughs> <laughs> yeah people are so used to doing random things for other people like that yeah they're looking for the camera already they're like yeah um, <laughs> so you're a dad you have um, yeah. you have one and three so I know he's still young and you're, you're pretty solidly busy with yes. all you do. So what's your best dad look like for you, right? That your best dad life look for you right now? Well, see, it's hard for me to, to, to paint the picture. I didn't have a dad in my life. You know, my, my father was not in the picture. I'm, I, I don't, my grandfather was my dad, essentially. My, my son's with me all the time. I work, my boy, I watch him throughout the day. I work from home. Uh, so I, I'm blessed in that regards to where I'm, I'm raising my son and it's, I'm going to see him as a child, as a baby, as he grow up. Now I don't all, not all dads have that opportunity um, because people, most dads have to work outside the home. Uh, so it's been nice. I don't know to say the ideal dad life. I mean, I always wish I had more time for my boy to where, um, you know, I'm working full time and, you know, sometimes when he walks up to me, he wants to play and I, and I just can't always play at that moment in time. I wish I could just put everything down no, hey daddy, let's go fight those bat those those ninjas in the backyard. Man, let's drop everything. Let's go fight those ninjas in the backyard. And type type mindset to where you can just drop everything. But 
uh, it's semi unrealistic. <laughs> but I, that, that's my dream, you know, to be able to be, do that with my boy. Is he old enough to get any of these jokes yet? Or are you you're breaking them in? Uh, not yet, but he knows when we're recording a video, and uh, and uh, we we uh, kind of let him be part of it uh, to where, uh, where he's eventually going to be in. TikTok has had some rules that. I don't understand because you can, if you show kids, sometimes they'll shadow ban your material, but then some people can show their kids no problem. Uh, so I had a couple where he was in, and then our views plum- plummeted. Uh, then I found out that they were banning it, banning live streams because kids were in it. So we have kind of kept him out of all, all of our material um, because of that. We didn't want our our stuff to get ba- banned and shadow banned. But um, but he, he we record a video, and then what I'll do is I'll go get him candy. You know, I, I don't want him to feel ignored because we're we're doing this and you can't be part of it. So we'll usually make him stand somewhere or he's young right now. So he doesn't really completely understand and we'll just have him hold something or I had him hold the phone once for a video. It just didn't go well, but uh. I started to, when my kids started trying to tell me dad jokes and they were really, really, I mean, they were just like kid jokes, but they would call them dad jokes and they were bad. But I was just like, I don't think you're getting how this works, but I appreciate the effort. So I, and, and yes. it's like one, one of my daughters specifically, but you know, it was cute to me. So like, you'll, you'll get, you'll get to enjoy that. And it'll be funny watching your, 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 uh, let's say four-year-old start trying to tell people, try trying to tell people some super marriage tips of his own. Well, and he's that- already getting it. He, he, he's a little prankster. He'll do things that are practical jokes, you know, like, daddy, daddy. Can you hold me and snuggle? And then I'll pick him up and like, oh man, this is nice. You know, I'm, I'm snuggling with my boy. And then he'll like, fart or something like that or burp on me and then get down and run off laughing i'm like still a little jokester i'm like good on you <laughs> you know what would be good for him is if you if you get him set him up as like a four-year-old life coach and just have him just do random like you know how life coaches like will tell you these deep stuff but it's a four-year-old he hasn't even lived yet you just get him the practice. <laughs> that is an awesome idea well that i did it on awesome. i did it on clubhouse like i had I was just bored, so I just put my daughter on, and I I was pretending with her. We was playing Legos, and I was like, um, "Yeah, so get life, give life advice um, from a four year old." And then I would just ask her random questions about life, and she would answer random stuff, and it was just it was amusing to me. So I mean, you know, it's something to play with. That is, that's a good idea. That's pretty cool. Copyright. Okay. <laughs> What's one weird thing people don't know about you? I'm pretty much an open book. Being a pastor, you live in a glass house. I like boilers. You know, uh, I guess that's a weird thing. I don't know. I don't like to be surprised by TV shows. So if I can search out and find spoilers for myself, so I can, so I can read them, then I'm perfectly great with that. You know, if I, if I get into a TV show and I find groups that are all about spoilers, but I'm in, I'm involved, I'll try to figure it out. I don't like to be surprised, I guess. And I'd rather know ahead of time that something's going to happen than be surprised when I'm watching it on screen and feel the emotion. Um, I guess that's a weird thing. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't that play with your emotions, though? Because 99, 95% of the time, they're all speculation and they're not really... I mean, for me, because I, you're right. You're right. Yeah, like, like, cause they're not the writers unless they, they got somebody in there. I only say that because I get sucked into that. Like looking at that on YouTube sometimes and like, Oh, spoiler alert. And I'm like, you've been saying that for years now. And at the end of the day, like either I, you know, randomly I, I'll look at one here and there. I mean, I, I, I go either way with that. I don't really care. I'm going to watch the thing anyway. I just kind of want to know ahead of time if I got to lose sleep for it or not. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, it can be dangerous because well, dangerous, uh, you know, it can be, uh, emotional because you may read something, prep your heart for something. Oh, 
oh yeah, this character is going to survive. And next thing you know, they die in the episode. And you think, I guess it's a weird thing. I mean, I don't know. Especially since I'm, I'm all about surprising my wife with these tips. So I'm all about surprises, but I don't like to be surprised myself, I guess. So I guess, guess it can be weird. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so one way of you. Right. <laughs> um, so we were talking and um, another thing we have in common is this. Quite a few people know by now. I'm like, I, I talk about my journey to 100, which is like, I want to yeah. see other kids adopted through. And I got to, I got to clarify this because people, there's still people that think you want to adopt hundred kids. And I'm like, yeah, if I could, but I probably wouldn't even remember all their names. So that doesn't really yeah. make a lot of sense. And God, college is going to be crazy. But what I mean is <laughs> if I can if I, I can help friends of mine and people that I know navigate the system mm-hmm. with the tips and tricks that I've learned, super foster tips. I don't know. Maybe that'll be my thing. Super adoption tips. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, that'd be good. You know, I, I was able to, you know, we have our five and then um, I was able to help a few friends and there's, there's a couple more in the chamber. And from that, like my whole big why becomes apparent why I do this show and, and why, you know, I help tech entrepreneurs and all these whys, right? But mm-hmm. you're on the same path to what we did was foster to adopt. And you yeah. shared with me that you're on that path too. So what made you like... What brought that to your heart? I'm just curious. My wife and I always, uh, well, we always wanted to adopt. In fact, one of our desires is to help fund an orphanage someday. Church does support uh, orphanages. Always wanted to do that ourselves. Uh, but then we found out that our my wife and I has some fertility issues. You know, she's got a misshapen uterus that causes us to have a hard time having children. We got on the fostering to adopt path a couple of years ago, but then my son uh, was born. And we, we got miracle from God. We got pregnant with our son. In fact, the doctors even said it was just a weird accident that it actually, you actually had a kid and praise God for that, you know, praise God. But we said, you know what, let's put her on pause for a couple years. That way we can kind of uh, get our son going and then get back on the, on the trail of things. And uh, so we're um, currently back on the application process, working through it. We have a six month process we're going through right now. And it's something we've always wanted to do. Um, and it's exciting to uh, be able to take kids who don't, maybe don't have parents or maybe have a really bad home environment um, and give them something that we can, that we think we can offer them, you know, a stable home, a, um, and I want to say it carefully because I understand that some parents just, they're, they're, they're trying to get their life back on track. And of course, fostering, of course, the first step was always to try to reunite families. Um, but, yeah. um, and I, that's why, I, that's why I would rather prefer. I'd rather if a family can get back on track than being able to get back into their actual home environment. Um, but if not, you know, I'm, would love to be able to bring some in to adopt them. I guess my whole mindset is, you know, we're, um, as a church, the Bible commands us to take care of widows and orphans. And we ignore that. And there are so many kids that are in the foster care system, not just in Baltimore here, but across the nation. And they don't have homes. And uh, if we as Christians can just provide them homes, like the Bible tells us to, I think it'd be a good, be good for the cause of Christ. For people to see that we're actually doing what God told us to do. It's one of those things too. Like, um, I mean, there, there, there's so much around it. it yeah. Hard, hard to get into, but like, it is. I, yeah. I, always, I always tell people there's, there's all these things that these emotions that swirl around it. Like mm-hmm. there's people who want to adopt and they're like, well, I want control. I don't want parents. I don't want to know the parents. I don't want them ever coming back and, and having some influence on my kid's life. And, and I get that. Yeah. But this, 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 the way the system is set up is there is no 100% guarantee of anything anyway. You could be, you could throw $20,000 at mm-hmm. someone, go to another country, 
think that you have all this control. You got an agency working for you. You go to China, you go to Russia, you go to Brazil, everything's set up. You get there and things can change in an instant and there's nothing you can do. So there's you lose all that money too. Yeah. And there's no, there's like, there's no guarantee of any of it. The other thing too, I'm not a fan. I'm always on the fence about this thing, right? Like I'll tell you, I'll tell anybody that wants to hear it. I don't think anybody should be able to take your kids away from you, the government or anybody. However, we all realize that yes, there are bad situations for kids. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to step in. So I was, I just felt like, okay, if I'm going to step into this, knowing that in my heart, I would hate for that to be happening to me. That if I'm the boogeyman or the, you know, excuse the phrase, kicking the ass that gets this family's um, other, you know, family or whoever else to step in and help out to get these kids back. And I'm the boogeyman threat against that because we yeah. might kids. Then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with losing a kid for that because that threat of loss mm-hmm. made them step up. You know, it was inconvenient or whatever. But the point, is, right. the point is keep the family together. So we did lose a couple that way. And I was sad about it. But I remembered, like, that was my my intent. Like, hey, even if I don't get this child, the fact that I was ready to do that made someone step up that should have stepped up anyway. So yes. And do their and be, be yeah. the parent that they were supposed to be. Exactly. Because yes. that's the thing. Nobody thinks about it until the last minute. And then it's like, oh, well, now what? And not mm-hmm. only that, but you do help people. And there's a way to honor, like, we, you know, honor the kids parentage and, yeah. eat, you know, like, Hey, if there's a, you know, if you ever want to know about them in the future, like we feel like if the person's cleaned up their life and whatever, and, and there's ways to do that, but to, to, to have that in check, but like, I'm not afraid of them ever trying to go know these other people knowing that I'm their dad. I mean, yeah, I might not be their biological, but I'm secure in myself knowing that I don't think that's going to affect that kid knowing they can go find out for themselves, right? They're going to yeah. think there's something better out there than this, then feel free to explore that. I'm not going to hold that against you. And that's a scary thought to some people because they think, well, what if they don't love me the same? But there's so much, there's so many stories out there. You can go any video, yeah, get enough shit. That is not how kids think to get today. I mean, if you've raised mm-hmm. them up the right way now, if you're doing something wrong yourself, then yeah, maybe that might have, that might come up. Of but, course. You know, like I said, uh, I, I always – that was always my philosophy around it. And, and, and I agree with that philosophy. Yeah. I'm more than happy to tell people like all the trout, all the ways to kind of navigate around that. I mean, you're going through it too. Everything's a six month process from step A to step B. So like, it's just like a series of six month steps every time. But Mm -hmm. once you get to like the third or fourth of that, like you're sort of towards the end or some kind of resolution. But um, yeah. I yeah, mean, what I said. I think it's you have a in, in Baltimore County here where I'm at. They I think it's like two years. You have a child in your home before the adoption conversation is even broached because they they want to make sure that they can the, the parents have every chance possible to be able to step up their game and do what they're supposed to do. Whether it's get some rehab or or whether it's get their life back on track or get jobs or get a house or whatever they need to do to be able to get their children back. And I'm for that. I'm for families. And, um, you know, my, our goal in getting into fostering isn't just to, to get, to get a child, even though that we would love to be able to adopt and cross that line, but it's to be able to help, like you said, you know, be that line. So maybe a parent wakes up and says, Oh man, they're being what I'm supposed to be. They're doing what I'm supposed to do. Let me step up and pick the role back up. Just because you're in this position. Mm-hmm. So the guy who the, the the people who helped us the most, uh, their name was um, Pastor Chris and, and Kelly Hanley, and they had adopted five, so they kind of like mentored us through the process. So mm-hmm. what I was going to say, 
as you go through this process is number one, you guys should find yourself like another couple going through it at the same time. Cause you're going to need, you're going to need that emotional support. You're going to need that. She's going to need someone to cry and rail against when things go sideways. And you're going to need a dad going through it with you. Like, yeah, man, it's messed up. But like, you know, because you got, because the women need to vent and the guys can only, you know, shrug their shoulders and be like, yeah, I know it sucks, but like, what can we do? And also in the future, be that for other people. Because like I said, if, for Chris and Ke- Chris and Kelly, like we certainly would not have had as much success. And, and, I, and, and, and just like in church or even, you know, you want to, maybe you're not in church, maybe just think of it like a gym spot partnership. You always need a, a partner in these kind of endeavors to keep you on track and to keep yeah. You folks. So I, I would say to anybody kind of seeking this out, like don't do it alone. Try That's to find wisdom right there. Yeah. yeah. Try to some, find someone else to go and, and, you know, lock arms with as you go through this together to support each other, because your, your, your journey will be a lot uh, less troublesome for you go, as, as instead of going through it alone. So, cause nobody else understands it unless they're going through it or have, have gone through it. So you need that, you're right. that person. Yeah, man. We went deep today, man. Good. <laughs> I don't really do that. I mean, we don't have, you're the first person I really went deep with this on one of these shows. So that's good. I've been meaning to. Anyway. Well, it's an important topic. You know, it's a good, it's a good topic and it's something that's widely needed. There's a, uh, in America, there's way too many foster kids in foster care system and not enough families to be able to help them out. Are you in any kind of like mastermind or groups that are like, you know, meant for, um, like for with entrepreneurs, it's like there's usually a mastermind, like a marketing mastermind, or sometimes like if you're in a Tony Robbins, there's like a personal development mastermind. Within churches, I imagine that they, they would do subgroups or something like that. Do you do anything like that for yourself for personal development or business? Yeah. Anything like that? Is I'm in a couple of different groups. Um on Facebook and in personally and, and and in person by I'm in a group called the Idea Network, and it's just a whole bunch of church church leaderships in this group discussing ideas. I'm also in one that's called the Ministry Connection Community. And that is all about pastors. It's just pastors are allowed into it. No one, unless you're a pastor, you're not allowed into it. That way we can ask questions that may need to be private. You know, hey, I'm dealing with this. Can you give me some advice on it? But I also uh, attend two different uh, pastors fellowships. I attend one's called BBF. And uh, I'm actually the Maryland state representative uh, to a national convention from them. Uh, it's not a denomination. It's just kind of like a fellowship. But we also send out missionaries and stuff too. And then I'm also uh, part of a local fellowship uh, of all, a whole bunch of pastors in our area. We gather every other Thursday morning for prayer and for fellowship and just to cry on each other's shoulders and uh, help each other out. And so the other pastors in Dundalk, you know, they're, they're some of my best friends. And I know if I need something, I can say, hey, man, hey, Ed, or hey, Mick, man, I need some help. Can you give me some advice? It seems there was like there's a lot of overlap there. Is there anyone that stands out specifically more like, I guess you could say there's like different facets to you, like because you have an audience that's like, um, you know, into social media and stuff like that. So do you do any kind yeah. of um, groups like, like improving, like how do you learn about TikTok? How do you learn about Instagram? You just go on, you, know you have people to consult with and kind of get together and say, Hey, let's, you know, that kind of like groups like that too. There, uh, there have been very, very few in our uh, movement. You know, Christian Christianity is usually about five years behind on everything else. You know, if something gets popular and five years later, Christians get involved in it. Uh, so, I'll be transparent. Uh, me and a couple other pastors are kind of pioneering this whole thing in regards to TikTok, and that. And so I'm, if you're, if people, I'm the one people tag to get advice from. You know, I, there's no one that I'm asking about, so I'm kind of uh, one of the the, fla- the flagship people on that in regards to TikTok and Instagram and 
and things like that to where Christians have really been dropping the ball on, on reaching out and influencing via that way. So I, I couldn't tell you that there's anybody I'm specifically getting advice from in regards to social media from so a church you're, perspective. You're the crash test dummy. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, there probably have been a lot of other crash test dummies and some, you know, and there might be some more who have really uh, uh, blown up. I have some friends that on TikTok who, uh, who there's one guy, uh, Liam Snow, who's blew up more than I have. I mean, I was there and he asked me a couple questions when he first gone on, got on it and he shot up now. He hasn't really done much on Instagram at all, but and I always try to tell people, take your TikToks and throw it to Instagram because that's that's going to be the uh, that's a stable platform. You know, I kind of see TikTok as Vine uh, personally, to where Vine was good for about a couple of years, then it just kind of sh- shot down and and died. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of see TikTok going that direction personally. I could be completely wrong, but so trying to tell tell people to really bring people to those stable platforms that have been around for years and aren't going anywhere. Um, but I mean, it sounds like that's something that if, you know, me being honest, you, you probably, there's probably an opportunity there if you care to, to organize it a little bit more and bring that in, you know, as a, you know, support your, support your, uh, you know, your, your outreach, your mission, and just like, you know, create a course and a little group around that and a mastermind. I mean, you know, if you ever need any mm-hmm. like help around that, let me know. Cause I have yeah. a lot of experience with that, but yeah, not, this ain't the time or place for, but I just was curious about, <laughs> you know, you, you, you have, this at your disposal. And I imagine that all you need is a couple of the right people around you to help you organize it. Cause you're a busy guy and it's yeah. kind of, you could probably run with this thing. Um, yeah. Here's one. And I like to ask this because I, it's just a weird question, right? Like, it's like, is there any question that you wish someone would ask you, but that they never ask you? That's a good question. Uh, a lot of people, I bring that about Amanda, my marriage, you know, and uh, you know, a lot of people are interested in that question, but I don't know if they know how to broach it. You no, know, Here's the thing. A lot of people that you see TikTok couples or Instagram couples and you think they got the dream marriage that everyone, you know, oh man, we, we look, I mean, there was just one Instagram couple that was popular, famous, and they just got divorced. And it was a big shock to everybody. And it was just, what? They, they were having issues? Um, so I I always tell people, you know, Amanda and I, we have struggles too. You know, we, we in fact, maybe probably two years into our marriage, we were on the brink of divorce until we learned how to communicate. We learned how to properly um, um, love each other. You know, I was very misogynistic, you know, I'm the man of the household and she was all, no, you're not. And <laughs> uh, that was our first couple of years of marriage to where, um, but then we learned how to be a team. We learned how to be uh, best friends as well as spouses. I think a lot of times couples lose that when they get married, they lose, uh, becoming each other's bet they, they were that like that when they were dating and then they lose it somewhere and when you're your each other's best friend my wife right now she, she wasn't always that way my wife's the one i want to hang out with my wife's the one i want to plug an xbox into a play a game with my wife's the one i want to go camping with or go go out and go hunting with even though my wife doesn't like to hunt but she's the one i want to go out with and when when you take marriage and you and you make it into a friendship as well. You you go to a whole nother level, to where she becomes your world. And uh, but my wife and I still have issues at times. You know, we have uh, my wife struggles with mental illness. She's very open about that, and she's had a she's on medication for it. You know, I have my own issues. I struggle with insomnia, and sometimes you get my wife having a bad day, and I don't sleep well at night, and they can <laughs> uh, butt heads. If I had to say if a question, it'd be you know how's our marriage? You know. What, what goes behind the picture because most people think that everything's all beds and roses, but they don't see that there's actually work involved to a marriage. And, um, and my wife and I are still working. We're growing. Our marriage is the best it's ever been right now. 
Um, but I pray it gets better. So. You know what's crazy is that I have, I've asked that question, and you're like the third person. You didn't say exactly the same way, but it's amazing how many people just don't ask people how they're doing. Like, how are you? Yes. How are you doing? Like, in an authentic way, like that. Like you said it. Like you know, you know, how's your how's your marriage really? Um, because people just see them a certain way because they have this air. Of, well, they have somewhat of a celebrity or somewhat of influence. Of course. So they feel like you know, like they're watching TV and they see this one side and they kind of think it's all hunky dory. But then they forget to ask the basic question that a friend would ask: "How you doing?" Like really, but it's. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm glad I asked that because I'm gonna have to start doing that more. Like honestly, I don't do it either. I don't think any, I don't think anybody consciously misses no. it, but it's kind of like the more I ask that question, the more people say some version of that. And it's 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 asking people the question, but then genuinely caring of what they say, you know. And that kind of marks what a true friend is, you know, a friend uh, not being scared of the answer. That's the thing because a lot of times you true. might want ask it but you're like am i gonna step into something am i gonna step into do i, do I want to hear what they have to say <laughs> <laughs> you know the old adage you know someone asks how you're how you doing oh good 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 are you really good you know and uh um that's uh are you really good <laughs> you're looking kind of skinny like you know that old school, old school guys would do that they're like you know they, they would notice that kind of stuff because they weren't so distracted by their phone or like things like that they would just you know they would ask you that kind of stuff yeah, you're right it's like, because you can see someone's eyes, you can see someone's demeanor, and we've kind of lost that today. You know, uh, I'm writing a whole psychology or English psychology paper on uh, social media, but we've kind of lost that in regards to because we say whatever we want on social media, and you don't care about what it may, how it makes someone else feel. You could you can say it without looking into their eyes anymore uh, nowadays. Um, so it's it's catching a slap. That's the real reason. Yeah, if you're within arm's reach, you don't say. That. Yeah, you're right. That's where the bravery came from. You're mm. right. <laughs> anyway, I mean, not to be like that, but it's, that's exactly why. Because, you know, back in the day, with, well, Puerto Rican households, you know, you say the wrong thing, the belt comes out of the sandal flies or whatever, whatever's getting, somebody's getting smacked. So, <laughs> and, that, you know, that it would happen. It, ain't nothing, I don't know if it's wrong or right, but it solved a lot of problems. Nowadays, people let it fly and everybody's butthurt about everything and nobody knows what to do because. You're right. You can't even operate in this today's world without saying the wrong thing or getting canceled for something stupid or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's anyway, a mess. I ain't gonna be that old man complaining. I'm just gonna keep it moving. So that's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you want to leave your mark in the world? A couple different things. I would love, you know, for as many people to be impacted for Jesus Christ as possible, for the things of God, and to feel a true Christian love. But I also, I really have a desire for people to learn what true marriage is about, which is one of the reasons I'm going to that in the psychology and uh, is I want people to know what it means to have a true marriage. So, so many marriages are falling apart and when, when marriages fall apart, it affects children and affects the outcome of how children's are raised, children are raised. And we need um, a really serious conversation about actually about families and about how to raise a family and how to get back on track with that because the world is, is getting more and more of a mess. And I really believe a lot of it stems from really fathers not being proper fathers. That's one thing. But also families not having a proper dynamic to where they can properly raise children in, in a stable environment. Kids crave stability. They may not say it. They may not, they may not, uh, they, they may want the freedom. Oh man, it'd be great if mom and dad were gone. I can do my own thing. But kids crave 
some type of structure. And when it's given to them, it provides better outcomes in their life. And I think uh, if I had to say, uh, besides, uh, you know, and that can even be tied into the church as well and things of God, it's because God's big on marriage and God's big on family as well. It's in the it's, it's everywhere in the Bible. Uh, it's to really uh, make an impact and help families really grow together. So, so the counseling part is to bring families together. It's not, I mean, I was wondering if you were going to kind of go into the marriage counseling kind of thing, since super marriage tips would kind of be a nice lead into that, but mm-hmm. more generically, just the marriage and family, family therapy, family unit. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. Well, look, man, this is, this has been great. I'm glad we got to finally do this now, as I always do. Um, I want to hear your best dad joke. I know we had one in the beginning, but that doesn't count because I pulled that off the internet. Your son can, uh, your son can have truly appreciate it, I guess. Yeah, I was going back and forth with a dad joke. So I was, I was wondering, which one am I going to say? So we were going, me and this missionary were going back and forth uh, with dad jokes. And I got one. Uh, I got a couple that I really like. But this one was- more than one. I just, I would say, give me one and then we can do <laughs> anything you want. This is dad joke zone. You can do whatever you want. All right. There were two fish that were in a fish tank. And one turns to the other and says, how do you drive this thing? You know, I said that wrong. Two fish in a tank, not a fish tank. I said it wrong. I ruined the dad joke. Uh, or what's uh, what's brown and sticky? Well, a stick. Um, you. I, that one. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, that one's one of, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, what's another one? My mind just blanked. Um, man, there's some so good, such good ones. I've been thinking about starting doing that more on, on the TikTok as well, just doing a dad joke here and there and just uh, funny things out there. Yeah, you just gotta kind of keep them on your phone because you know you never know when the when the, when the <laughs> like or the effort like you know um what was a well, one I told my son was like um, what do you call a fish without an eye? <laughs> this one. Yeah, like what? <laughs> well, uh, somebody told me this one the other day. It took me a second. He was like, um, "Why do you take an extra pair of socks when you go golfing?" I don't know. That's, I don't. You might get a hole in one. Ah, see, that's like a little bit more adult. The kid's not going to get that. So you no, know, just gotta always have a couple in the barrels. Always ready to go. Ready to go. You know, I found is the best dad jokes are the ones that just come off the cuff. Like, like you never heard them before, and something just happens, and you can say it, and then you probably forget about it afterwards. You know, it's like dad puns, though. But yeah, they a lot of them come up on the originals. Like I would say. I would say 50 to 60% of the material, I mean, it's probably already out there, but I like to take stuff and remix them a little bit just for- Making you. Yeah, like a little more, you mean? So I think that's 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 some of the art I bring to it, but not all the time. You know, we all uh, refurbish other people's materials. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, there's there's the timeless thing about that. But listen- My, my absolute favorite dad joke was the, was the P one, the one that you showed earlier. That's my absolute favorite dad joke. If I use it, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to use it on my kids, I think. I got to find – we don't really eat – you know what? I got wasabi peas. Yeah. There you go. Hey, all you entrepreneurs and dadpreneurs. I just wanted to say thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the YouTube channel for past episodes. Show me some love on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really want to be a guest on my show, no problem. Just email the dadnextdoortv at gmail.com and we'll take care of you. All the information you need is on the show notes of this episode. This is Jason, a.k.a. The Dad Next Door, signing out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.